Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity, episode 104. I am not getting tired of saying episode 100. I hope you all are not tired of me saying 100 because this is just insane to me every single time we do this. And I know I get it. I said that last time and the week before. It doesn't matter. It's going to be fun to see how long it actually takes before we do get bored of it. Like episode 158, episode and like, (laughs) I I feel like it's, it's the guy that was given like nine months to live and he's on his fifth year. It's like everything at this point's just gravy. I kind of feel like it's with us. Like I didn't think we would make a hundred. I honestly didn't. Like I thought we would either run out of material yep. or our schedules would change or something would happen. And now that we've made it, I'm just like, Oh, this is all gravy. Like this is all just not that we yeah. can say whatever we want, but it's kind of like, Oh, well I didn't think we'd make it this far. So let's just enjoy it. Yeah, for real. Well, and what's, what's really cool. I think too is as we get higher, we're starting to notice things start to shift a bit more, right? So somewhere around episode 70 or so, we, we or a little before that, actually, um, we brought on a social media manager. And I think this is either the first or second episode that will um, be edited by the producer that we brought on board yeah. um, that will be editing the podcast for me from now on. And some people, you know, what's really annoying to me is a lot of people have when they find out that I have someone helping us run social media, um, normally I still respond to stuff. Tony, you respond to stuff. Like it's not yeah, like you're yeah. not talking to us or we don't see it. It's just like, it's just someone doing the posting for us basically. Right. And, yeah. They, they, and, um, and letting us know if someone you yes. know, is, is responding and things like that. Um, I, uh, people come up to me all the time and accuse me of being arrogant. Like, wow, why would you like, you think you're some big shot? Your podcast isn't even that big. Um, like, why are you hiring a social media person? And I'm like, well, a, because that's, I want it to be big and that's my weakness. Yeah. But I'm like, B, that's, that's how you get big. Yeah. Uh, social media is my weakness, but B like, I don't have the time 
I really don't. Earlier today, I played like Smash Bros for 20 minutes. Now, granted, I get that I was playing Smash Bros for 20 minutes. Guess what? I'm allowed leisure time too. Everyone can chill. Um, wow, I looked down really... at my phone. I know. Yeah, I'm very Darren. upset about it. Like, yeah, Darren. <laughs> um, that sounded specific. <laughs> um, I uh, suspiciously specific. There, there is no Darren. I hope everyone no. knows. Like that's, but that just sounds no, actually <laughs> Kevin. Come yeah, on, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, Ugh, seriously, Kevin. Kevin. God, Not you, believe. Kevin. All right. Um, well, it is that Kevin a little bit. So um, it, a little bit. It's I love that all, that you and I and Kevin now know exactly what was just said there. But yep. <laughs> um, I was I was playing Smash Bros for twenty minutes. I looked down yeah. at my phone, fifteen emails, all from different sources, and not a single one of them was like one that I could ignore. Yeah, like this is my life right now. Yeah, it's and, adulting, um, man. It's it is. It really it's like is. And they, I just want to set my phone on fire. They don't warn you about that, man. Like. Everything that they warned you about being an adult, I feel like was not helpful at all. And I don't know if that's just because they were warning us about what they had to struggle with as adults, or they didn't know how to warn us correctly, or they were deliberately trying to trip us up. Like, I'm not sure why, but I feel like all the advice I got for growing up was not helpful to any degree. No, and I think I think it wasn't like just a warning would have been nice, right? Or at least some sort yeah. of like some sort of recognition that hey, we get that the things we're teaching you now will not be adequate for later on. In the yeah. same way that like like uh, we teach youth that that faith is this black and white thing, and then all of a sudden you start experiencing the gray areas of life, and they start encountering all these questions, what, and then we're shocked when they leave. What do you, What do you mean there are more books that aren't in the Bible? What 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 <laughs> Yeah. What do you, What do you mean? There's a name you. brand to this generic cereal my mom bought. What do you mean? What? Um, what is this FICA thing, and why is it taking <laughs> all of my money? It's that's the best. That's like uh, I feel like I was more prepared. My parents did a pretty good job. I will say that. Um, they 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 said like these ominous things that later on I was like, that's what they were talking about. Yeah. Um, but like most adults in my life that I and I love them very much, but they were not helpful. I mean, like, to I, be I feel fair. like I learned more about life from sports. Like from the yeah. sports that I played, because it's like you just gotta punch through it, you just gotta warm up. Like when I, I faked a leg injury one time because I was tired of running when I was a freshman. And in my senior year, I was like blacking out to run as fast as I could to inspire others to run faster. You know what I mean? Like that's the type yeah. of growth that I experienced, but that wasn't from like a mentor or a te- like yeah. that was just, that was just sports being like, if we want to play better, everyone's got to push in the practice. You're not pushing. You know what I mean? Like that's and also yeah. for me, I'm like, Oh, it's the little things that make the big moments. Like if you don't get the little stuff down, beforehand mm-hmm. like then those big moments aren't going to matter and now like when i'm preaching or when i'm getting stuff right like i prep so much for things that for moments that i don't even know if are going to happen and yeah. now it's like in case this happens like i'm ready for it and i feel like that that was not explained to me at all now to be fair knowing me as a kid had they warned me i probably would not have listened and i'm like no yeah, that'll never be me but yeah, at, the, true. at the same time, now I spend probably more time switching between Google accounts than I do sleeping. So 
Um, the joke's on me anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I could yeah. give people a hard time as much as I want, but it's still my life I got to live. So I am grateful for the people that believe in this podcast that have reached out and said, I want to help. And that means the world. And yes, I pay them. And yes, like we honor that. And every dollar that comes our way through Patreon and, and uh, PayPal helps. And if you didn't know, you can support this podcast via PayPal, um, via Patreon. Just go to theabsurdity.org slash donate. And there's some options there for you. Um, every patron gets episodes ad free and a little bit early, sometimes a few hours, sometimes a day early and get bonus episodes, uh, monthly. We have fallen a little bit behind on that. Don't worry. We'll catch up. I promise. Um, you'll have one month where you get a bunch of episodes. That's all. Yeah. Um, no, it's gonna, and, it's gonna just boop, yeah. binge. So like, like the new Disney plus, which I'm going to be adding. Yeah. Now that Lizzie McGuire's coming back, it's game over for me. I Everything. Mean, I know, I know. Have Everything. you seen the trailer for The Mandalorian? Yes, I have. And it's incredible. Everybody stop what you're doing right now and go watch the trailer for The Mandalorian. Go watch the trailer for, or go read an article about Ewan McGregor and mm-hmm. just just the Star Wars stuff. Forget Marvel and all the stuff they're doing there. And, and Lizzie McGuire, all the good things are coming back. Just read about just the Star Wars things they're bringing out. I'm just like, ha. Huh. Just yep. for that alone, I'm getting it. It's crazy. So I think I, I do think what we've been talking about, though, actually segues pretty good in to, uh, into kind of our subject because I, I knew what I, I was doing. I think it. I think at some point, like the gray areas do cause people to ask questions, and they do cause people to um, really challenge the challenge the yeah. beliefs that they once had, whether that's out of good motivation or bad motivation. And I think um, I think today. We're going to be jumping into a couple things that come out of, I think, a bad motivation. And I, I think sometimes sometimes they start with a good one. But ultimately, I find that I end up seeing people um, kind of adopt these or explore these ideas mainly because they're just they feel like they've been lied to their whole life and they want to um, they want to spite the system that they feel lied to them. Though that's not always true. But um, Tony, I want you came to me with kind of this first one. So. Um, why don't you introduce this idea of what we're talking about um, today? Because I think this is huge. I really, really do. So I was talking to a friend, and um, I'm always looking for episode ideas in conversations and different things like that. Um, most of the ones that I think of, I don't actually bring forward. Like, we don't use them uh, because they wouldn't really fit for us in a, in a podcast format. But this was a really good one that we were talking about. Kind of the difference between, quote unquote, the difference, quote unquote, between the Old Testament God and the New Testament God, and how that is just such a huge, I, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to make it more than what it is, but it seems like it, t- it tends to be a big stumbling block, or at least a big question mark area for a lot of people, because there there are these seeming differences between you know what i mean like there, there's this this gap this uh uh dissidence this cognitive dissonance between this old testament god and the god that jesus is talking about and we were talking about how a lot of people are thrown off and they really want to follow they like following jesus they think he's a good teacher if nothing else um and all this different stuff and but they're like but ah this old testament god thing and we're just talking kind of about a why I don't believe that's true. And I I don't want to get too much into the theology of that, but why like that's a huge fallacy. Like if you actually studied, you know, Jesus, 
um, like really in depth, you'll realize he's he's kind of dispelling that argument with his like he literally at one point is like, no, I'm I'm showing you who he is. Like that's the same yeah, I was guy gonna say, that I'm talking. Yeah, I was gonna say me, I feel like I feel like it doesn't even take deep study. It's just kind of like obvious to some extent. Well, like it's yeah, just like a like, shallow reading can get you to that. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like you've never intentionally yeah, intentional. looked at it. Yeah, intentional. That's more the word. That's, you know, like a deep study is like in the Greek. And like if you just intentionally watch what he's talking about instead of just like, well, I'm going to read a chapter today. Like if you actually look and are like, what is it? Well, okay, that's what he's talking about. Um, it's it's the same way to do that. But then also how a lot of people use that as an excuse to to either throw the Bible away and be like, see, it's just a bunch of stories. Um, I've met quite a few Jewish people and heard quite a few people of Jewish background um, who don't really believe in their faith, who are like, well, let me tell you who God is. God is just this guy that they used to use to keep us from harming other people. And he was the, you know, the boogeyman. And, and we would sit in your seats and shut your shut up or God's going to get you. Um, and that way we didn't go crazy. And and it's like, well, you know, and then he's like, you guys came up with the nice guy. Like, that was all you. Like, we we understood who he really was. And I'm like, all right, or you didn't. And the guy <laughs> we thought, it, yeah, like, that's my whole thing. It's like, all right, well, I get why, you know, like I said, some of my people of Jewish background, I get why they have that uh, belief. And that's why they come from that uh, aspect of it. But I'm like, but as a Christian, I don't get why Christians have that. Yeah. That's the one that I don't get is the people who are Christian who aren't. Uh, atheist, because to an atheist, I think that's a legitimate question. Like, if you're if you claim to follow Christ, I think okay, then you need to study up his life. But if you're an atheist, if you don't believe that God exists, then I think that's a legitimate question of like, all right, well, why do you believe that? If there seems to be this cognitive dissonance, um, but if you believe you're like, I want to follow Jesus' life, well, have you studied that life that you want to follow, or yeah. is it a concept? And, yeah. and that to me is what I kind of want to explore this little bit is like, so why, why do people challenge that? And I want to like talk about that. And I want to bring that up because I also want people to talk about it. Like if you're still questioning this um, and I want to make sure my last comment didn't, didn't, I'm not saying that you don't have legitimate doubt. I'm saying you like study up on the life. Like that's something that you need to be able to answer Mm-hmm. by studying on yourself like that's not something that you can just walk up to another christian and be like all right come on answer me dude like the onus yeah. is on you to know that for yourself i believe um, well i think so- i think too i think too there's an a i agree with you there's an element of it is your responsibility to figure it out but b i do think if you just read through the bible basic at basic you know, just reading through it, you're going to get through the rough stuff before you get to the Jesus stuff, which is still yeah. rough, um, but not the same kind of rough. And you're going to see some very disturbing things that sometimes does take a little bit more understanding of the greater narrative to really put into context. And so you are going to see things that like really do disturb you and concern you. And I, so I think like, I get, I think that it's a good question to ask originally, which is how do we reconcile these seemingly two different things? Right. Um, this guy right, who seems yeah. to be the commander of an army versus this, like, I get that. Um, but it's, to me, I think people, I think people challenge it, um, because it's easier, I think in their minds, I think it's easier in our minds to simply reject one and accept the other versus, um, actually having to figure out and do the work of, of reconciling the two or live with 
any degree of uncertainty regarding the answer to that question. I mean, as far as Old Testament, New Testament, God is concerned, this has been a question for a lot of church history. It's not, it's not, I don't know that it's a relatively new question. Um, and so some, sometimes kids will like, like high school kids or college kids will ask me, you know, what's the, you know, how do we reconcile these? And I say, well, this is, this is how I do it. But there's a reason this has been a question for basically all of church history. And so I get it. Like, I don't want to, I agree with you. I don't think we're taking the weight away from the, from the question, but I do think that jumping to a conclusion about it is, is something that is done either a out of fear or B out of kind of an unwillingness to really wrestle with scripture. Yeah. Uh, well, and, okay. So then let me ask you this. Why does it seem like the God of the old Testament and the God of the new Testament is such a violent God? And by violent, like, incites acts of violence or like actually does acts of violence. Yeah. So you're looking at anything from Noah's Ark and the story in Genesis six, right? Six chapters in, you're looking at mass genocide yeah. across the earth. Or versus even I mean like the Israelites where he commands sacrifice. it. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I think number one, I think there's much more narrative in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. So I think already proportionally, it seems like there's much more going on in regards to God interacting with his people. Yeah. Story wise. Right. So you're reading, you're just already just like psychologically, you're just reading more of God directly interacting with his people and what he says specifically. Whereas the new Testament, you're getting a lot of letters. You're getting a lot of correspondence. We're having to piece together the narrative via those letters and and historical context and and archeology span and all that. But with the Old Testament, you're reading mostly narrative. In fact, uh, what part is it not narrative? I'm trying to now. I'm trying to think, but well, pretty sure all of it's. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Like the, the, the psalms, poetry. yeah, psalms, song of Solomon. Okay, like thank you. Lamentations. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I was like blanking. Um, I was like, I was only of, thinking yeah, parts of stuff. Yeah. I was only thinking of the prophets, and I was like, wait a minute. I mean, um, I think you also have like the list of stuff, so like Leviticus and stuff. Yeah. But even those, even will that's have narrative. Stories for the, yeah, chronicles and stuff. They'll That's have a lot narrative. More, more narrative. It's it's almost like the reverse. Like in the New Testament, we have all this theology and we have to piece together like Paul was probably in Rome when he wrote this. And yep. you can tell from here that, you know, that. And then in the reverse, it's like, well... In this story, it's probably talking about this kind of theology and this kind of a thing, and that's why they wrote it this way. So it's like yeah. kind of like a it's like a reverse. You have to do the opposite. You have to find the theology from the story, and then for the other one from the from the, the-, the theology, you have to find the story. Yes, exactly. And I think I think the other side of that too is even the parts of narrative that we do get in the Old Testament, we're not looking. I mean, in the New Testament, like let's look at Jesus's life. A, bu- a big a big part of the New Testament is four different retellings of the same story. Um, you're not getting stories really repeated in the Old Testament the same way. And in addition to that, you're looking at three years of Jesus's life, basically, versus the Old Testament where you're looking at generations upon generations upon generations of activity between God and his people. And I'm not saying that, oh, given, Je- given enough time, Jesus would do the exact same things in the exact same way, though he would because... I mean, maybe I think there are some things that are in, in the Bible that are colored by human experience and, um, and a human understanding of who God is. I think there's some of that in the old Testament and the new Testament for sure. But 
it's this idea that look, you're looking at you're looking at God operating in three years versus God operating across generations in a in a large swath of human his, history. So yes, you are going to see that God acts in in it seemingly one way appropriate to the context in one story versus the other. And so I do think that there's there's a lot there's a lot there to unpack. But um, I think in broad strokes, I just think the sheer volume of stories psychologically leads you to kind of this conclusion that it seems like God's so much more bloodthirsty in the Old Testament versus the New. I don't know how you feel about that and how much you disagree with me, but well, I, I think that's a basic I mean, answer. I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing is like you look at Acts, there are some really violent things there. Um, yes, absolutely. I think a big thing for me, and I was talking about this, I said, you know, like a big thing for me and, and not going too far into it, but is like if you know anything about the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant um, in Jeremiah, like the Old Covenant was enacted on Sinai in Exodus and it's given to a people who have completely forgotten about God. So they're baby Christians. Um, and it's given like he has to give them a ton of rules and a ton of really hard rules because they have no idea how to live a life that is loving and will help them better understand God. Um, yeah. And so because of that, you have to have like some really harsh punishments um, and I, and I always equate it to like the Bible's the story of a people maturing. Um, and like, so talking about like my parents talking about like, no one really gets you ready for adulthood. You know, God had to try to get them ready for spiritual adulthood because they came out, you know, as babies. And he's like, don't touch the stove. Don't touch yep. the stove. You're going to touch the stove. I'm smacking your hand. Okay, you're going to touch the stove. You're going to get burned. Okay, you got burned. That's Assyria coming in and destroying. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing where it's like, I told you not to touch the stove. I don't know why you keep doing these things I tell you not to do, but okay, if you're going to keep doing that. So the first covenant was very rules-oriented because it had to be yeah. because they were immature in my mind. So you will get stuff like, well, the Amalekites basically completely disobeyed everything I said, so you're going to have to wipe them out. And you can really go in depth with things like that. Um, in fact, I kind of jokingly, I was trying to read from Joshua to uh, my younger brothers um, about like, be strong and courageous and, you know, don't be afraid. And instead I got the wrong chapter and it was just, and the Israelites went to this town and completely wiped them out. Every man, woman, and child. And then they went to this town and completely wiped them out. Every man, woman, and child. And it's just <laughs> Good went night and sweet dreams for like, for like, yeah eight, nine verses. And I was just like, okay, we're going to skip that. Um, but there are reasons for all of that. And we won't get into that here, but you do have stories like that. And I think it's because they were very immature and they had to have harsh punishments because it was like, look, unless I reveal to you as a God of power, you will not accept me as a God of truth and love. And that's just the reality is like, they were trying to survive and when you're trying to survive, you don't want someone who's nice and calm and sweet. You want someone that's going to protect you. Mm -hmm. um, I often talk about like what life would be like in the post-apocalyptic world. And I am not bulky enough to lead in the post-apocalyptic world. Like I really need to bulk up because you want someone who's big and strong and can swing a big, strong ax you know what I mean? To knock yeah. down the zombies or lift the big rocks or, you know, whatever it takes. Like you, you look for that. And if you look, uh, um, socio, uh, uh, sociologists, um, they will tell you like in a survival species, it's literally 
I, I hate using the term caveman because I don't believe they exist, but it's literally that kind of like primitive, mm-hmm. like Ugg has biggest stick, Ugg, Ugg, you know, leads us and Ugg is our leader. And that's why you have a king and that's why you want to dominate because um, it's just this primal, like, we need to not die. When you mature to the point where you're not worried about just dying, that's when you begin to look to leaders who um, tend to be more soft tend to now we can how do we take care of the weakest among us um you know how do we how do we take care of those who who might quote unquote slow us down um that's the type of person that that you look for when you're not just trying to survive and i think that's the whole thing is god had to show them i'm a god of power first well i think only god they knew the other side of this too is with a lot of those cities and those people groups um, we don't really know a lot about like a lot about them. We just know that God ordered them to be killed. Um, that's, normally, that's part, yeah. Normally, when when I see God, you know, acting in any sort of violent way, um, typically it's out of like there's something warranting it, right? Even in Genesis six, when you look at this mass genocide, where God says, "Look, the evil has become up so bad." Um. You know, it, it is so bad. There's no changing this. These people will not change. They have chosen a different path. Um, and he does kind of a soft reset on the world, right? There's, there's even God, God lets things get to, I think, a pretty, pretty big extreme before he gets to the point that he's going to actually act on in any sort of violent way and or encourage people to do so. And I think, um, I have no idea what those cities, like, I don't know all the different things that were happening in those cities, but I can like there is that part too. We are missing a large chunk of the context for those. Um, but I think ultimately, like when, when we look at Jesus, Jesus is like, Hey, I came to fulfill the law. he said, yeah, I am the, like, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Like this is very much, um, someone who is claiming to be the very same Judeo Christian God, right? This is the same. Um, he's claiming to be God and it's, there's no, this is why saying like, ah, oh, cool. I think that Jesus is really God, but not the Old Testament God. But Jesus is claiming to be the Old Testament God. All the references he makes are references to the Old Testament God. They're like, you literally have to just ignore all of what Jesus said or um, basically say, oh, he was just wrong about those things or he was just a liar about those things. And if so, which, would he, which, then, which at yeah, that point, he, he's not he really God. God. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it, you back yourself into a corner, I think, theologically and, and cognitively, if you just go, all right, cool. So I like Jesus, but I don't like that Old Testament guy. But um, yeah, that's, I don't, so I think it is untenable of a position to hold. And I think to throw out the Old Testament because of the stuff that's bad that we don't like in there um, is to throw out the baby with the bathwater because there's yeah. so many beautiful moments and things and a great part of our understanding of who God is comes from the Old Testament. In fact, I would, I wish if I wish we could take out, I want to see what the Bible, what the New Testament would look like without any references to the Old Testament and um, just singular on its own. I want to see just how much of the New Testament would remain. I, I mean, I don't think any. No, I mean, okay, so I'm saying direct references. Oh, oh, like straight, okay. Yeah, not like not teachings based yeah. on, but like lot, any, yeah. yeah, anywhere where Jesus says, I've, I've come to fulfill the law, okay? That's a clear I, I, reference to... I mean, I got to think at least 
at least one quarter of it's going away. Dude, I got to think like I'm thinking like closer to 60 percent is going away. But yeah, I'm, uh, it's well, a, a minimum. I'm saying if you're saying like oh, just minimum, direct yeah. references, a minimum of 25 percent. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. A yeah. minimum. Because there are just like whole sections where Paul's quoting stuff like directly from and, and like, you know, mentioning things like that. Yeah, Hebrews, pretty much all that has to go away, you know. Yep. Um, even in James and all this other stuff, like everything is based on that. And that's the other thing. It's like if you look and that's what you mentioned a good point where like there are stories in the in the Old Testament that are beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, there's literally stories where God reveals the type of God he is later on. So he says things like, even if you go away, I will come and find you. Like the whole book of Hosea is God literally just, just pleading with Israel. Like, why do you keep cheating on me? Yeah. I will keep pursuing you because I love you, but why do you keep cheating on me? Like, I feel, I feel like a husband whose wife is unfaithful and is blatantly unfaithful. In, in a disrespectful way. Like, why are you doing this? I love you. I'm, I'm doing all this. Like, if you can't read that and, and see Jesus and the quote unquote God of love in it, like, like it's right there. Um, and here's the thing. You can find violence on both sides. Cause we were talking about this, uh, with my friend and it was like, well, you can see Ananias and Sapphira. Like, yeah, God, the Holy Spirit straight up, and he just doesn't do it. He literally like sends a message. It's it's like the the one prophet that you know. All right, well now a lion's gonna eat you. Way to go! Like and it's like that. It's like, oh, are you sure you're lying to me? Are you sure you're not lying to me? No, you're positive you're not lying to me. No, okay. Well now you're dead because you you were lying to me. Whoom. Oh, are you lying to me? Nope. Well you died just like your husband. Whoom. Like yep. it's intense, and so you have both on both sides. You have to be more intentional in looking for it, but you have both on both sides. So to me, I go, even if you even if you just went on, well, he's a god of violence in the other one, I'm like, well, but he's also got that in the other side. Maybe he's showing more of one side, less of another, but he's showing both. And even when you look at the New Covenant, Old Covenant was an Exodus, very rules-oriented. The new one, if you look in Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31, and that whole chapter kind of it's an allusion to it, but specifically mm. in 31, he goes, I'm going to make you a new covenant and it's going to, it's all relational. It's all relational language. Uh, I'm going to put myself in your minds and in your hearts. No longer are you going to like say God is out there. He's, I'm going to be literally with you inside you, carrying you. I'm going to be in, influencing you. And that's a promise to me of the Holy spirit. That's how I interpret it. Um, mm. Because the Holy Spirit used to reside in the prophets and in the the tabernacle. That was where, you know, God's spirit was. And now he's like, no, I'm going to live in each of you. Um, And to me, that's that's why, like, there's a collective conscious. Like, all of us, most of us in the sane world will look at something like Jeffrey Epstein and think that's horrible. What a horrible, horrible person to take advantage of young women and young men, probably, um, in that way, like that's terrible. And yet we will also look at his murder as there's no justice there. Like that's horrible. Like he needs immediate hours. And I'm like, why? If you live in a completely amoral society, then that morality has to come from someplace. And, and to me, I go, that's the spirit's influence. So for me, one way or the other, you're looking at God and you're seeing the same God that both sides of the old Testament and new Testament have. And that's why to me, I think it's a fallacy. 
You have to read yeah. the Bible intentionally. And I will admit that I've read the Bible more than most, not not more than a lot. Uh or I more than a lot, not everybody, and definitely not the most, but I have read it. Like I do know that book pretty well. And just like I said, it, it takes intentional study. It isn't deep. Like you don't need to go to the original languages and all the commentaries, but like you it's not going to hurt if you do that. And if you just read it through, it's like, oh man, there are some wonderful places here where it makes it really clear. Mm. But I think that it's that type of thing where you have to be intentional about it. And I think that's the thing that separates it. And that leads to a lot of issues is this level of intentionality. I feel like we're not intentional sometimes. And that's why people don't want to accept that it's the same God. You know what I mean? Is, yes. is that it requires yes. that level of intentionality. Um, I don't know. What do you think, man? I, well, first of all, I went on, I Googled while you were talking and um, I was curious to know. He about doesn't the listen new, to me, folks. New... He doesn't pay attention at all. Uh, what was that sound? Um, there's a, <laughs> I decided, I decided to look up Old Testament references in the New <laughs> Testament. And <laughs> I, I ended up Game on the United Church of God's website. Um, which to be fair, granted different denomination from us, but I don't really care. Um, because we're not talking about like direct theology here. We're talking about like just numbers and statistics ready. So check this out in index in the Jewish new Testament catalogs, 695 separate quotations from the books of the old Testament in the new, there are many other passages where the old Testament is referred to. As in cases right, yeah. where the old, where an Old Testament figure is mentioned, but no specific scripture um, is quoted, depending I'll on which scholar. That. I ready? mean, I count that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Depending on which scholars, because you wouldn't know who they are without the Old Testament, right? Right, exactly. Who's yeah, Moses. Why do I care? Yeah, depending on which scholars' work you examine, the number of quotations and references in the New Testament to the Old may be as high as four thousand one hundred and five. Um. <laughs> Paul, uh, so, and, and, and if you want to talk about the first five books of the Bible, cause those are the ones that a lot of people have the most issue with, um, as far as like the Levitical laws and all that good stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these, the five books, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible are quoted at least 245 times in the new Testament. Paul quotes from those books seven between 70 and 110 times. And yeah. Jesus, uh, quotes from, uh, quotes from those same books about 60 times. Yeah. Um, for there, now, then I Googled, I was curious, and I don't remember, I didn't remember. There are 7,957 verses in, those, in, in the New Testament, right? So of those about 8,000 verses, over half of them, over, um, wow. there are over 4,000 references. That doesn't yeah. mean verses. That's just yeah, verses. References. It's just a reference. But to me, you a have to A reference could be multiple verses. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. And to me, it's like you have to, you have to toss out pretty much... I wouldn't say the paragraph, but if you're using that reference as the center of your paragraph, you pretty much have to toss out the whole paragraph. So, I mean, you you got to be looking at more than half. Yeah, that's. I think I think my sixty percent was a safe estimate. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's wild. Um, that's wild. I and I I agree. I do agree and with you, everything you how said. Many times Tony, did, by the way, how how many times have you seen a, a New Testament Bible? Like I've seen them all the time and I'm not knocking that at least you have, you know what I mean? Scripture with you, you know, maybe if, if people are going to war or something like that, but I'm like, I, it, it's a theological message to try to cut out 
well, this is the Bible that this is the part that that you really need if yeah. you're struggling. Like, um, I feel like a lot of people in war could read Job and relate. Yeah, you know I mean, and or well, lamentations and, and, or yeah. To some extent, I mean, we do often tell people like start reading from the Book of John. So I get why yeah, we we true. may have. That's like true. for people who've never opened the Bible, I can understand that because it gives you some sort of context for the rest of the stories because this isn't just a novel and it's not just like a basic history book either. Um, this is a collection of works. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so you do have to, you do have to study it differently than you would just read a Harry Potter book. Um, you just, easy, you just do easy. Um, easy because if you start reading the order of the Phoenix, Without reading the the uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. But I get where you're going. It's much more like Lord of the Rings. No, that's what I'm. If you start reading, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I, I'm not going to nerd out. I you, promise. Well, I could that do and that you, for you an basically hour. proved my entire point. I Harry Potter do, has to be read linearly. The really Bible does. can be read from it, all it over. Yeah, it can. You can. You can. You can start. I right. don't no, I, suggest starting at Judges 19, though. I don't. Probably I not. Not. That's not the first place I would start. I would start anywhere in Judges. I, agree, I love agree. Judges. I love Judges, but that's not a great book to start. Let's see what happened. Uh, failure. Anger. Uh, I like numbers. Numbers is a great one, especially for my mathematician friends out there. There's a um, there's a wife being chopped up into 19 parts here. That's Yeah, that's that's Judges 19 for you. Um, hey, 19 parts. Judges 19. I love it. Um, oh, no. It's, it's, uh, it's 14 or something. I can't remember. A lot, yeah. a lot of parts. A lot of parts. But I think I think ultimately, if we don't like what we see, we tend to want to um, we tend to want to reject it. And I get it. Um, my problem with the Old Testament, Old Testament, New Testament thing is I think we're reading we're reading to agree with everything that the, or expecting that we will already agree with everything the Bible says. But I don't think the, I, I think the, if a relationship with God and becoming Christian is going to be transformative in nature, you are going to encounter things that challenge yes. you that you wrestle with. Yes. And there are things that I wrestle with all the time in the Bible and in beliefs and things where I go, I really don't like this. Um, and I'm really, really wrestling with this and, and trying to make it make sense or trying to figure this out. And there's probably an atheist that's listening to this going, yeah, that's evidence that you shouldn't. And I said, and my thing is, no, not necessarily in the same way that just because you don't like something doesn't mean um, that you just outright reject it, especially if you believe that whatever it is, is truth. There are many Christians who became atheists and they would much rather a God exist. A, um, the truth that they, that they say, like, I believe it's true that there, there is no God. And they say, oh, I wish God existed though. You chose the truth you didn't like. Um, I think very much the fact that you have to wrestle to accept something is not evidence of its falseness, but rather or, or um, veracity either. Yes. Or veracity. Correct. Correct. I don't think the difficulty it's, to accept something is one is, is it's not one or the other, but you have to decide. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm so on with you with that because when you reach a point where you disagree with the scriptures I think a lot of times, and a, and a lot of times we've had this, even someone like Thomas Jefferson, uh, we want to change the scriptures to fit our life and our culture and our worldview. But if your worldview disagrees with the Bible, as a Christian, change your worldview. Yeah. Because what ends up happening is the Bible. I, I went to the Bible Museum when I was in uh, Washington over the summer with my, my younger brothers. 
Uh, my sister and my brother and my oh, mom. Oh, did you and, see the Bible? went in there. Did you we see the- We went there and saw the slave Bible. We saw the Gutenberg Bible, Man. which is amazing. Well, a Gutenberg Bible, not the Gutenberg Bible. You saw um, the slave Bible. Well, we saw I the slave Bible. I think I've talked about this on this podcast. I think we talked about it before. I think we have. Yeah. They literally went and took out all references, all negative references to slavery and all positive references to freedom and took them out of the Bible and only put in, uh, allowed in references to obey your master, um, po- all positive references to slavery um, and and nothing else. And I go, that to me is the ult, like the people who did that. I believe personally are not going to go to heaven. They're not getting in there. And anyone who used that Bible, I, it's in my heart, and I may be wrong, and God may convict me of this, but I don't think they're getting in. I really don't. Because to me, that falls under the millstone. Anyone who caused the little ones, they went in and provided to God. Now, I find it fascinating to me that even though they didn't, a yeah. lot of slaves ended up reading just just from the just from the word of God. God spoke to them, and they ended up just realizing that freedom was theirs, even though they had all those slavery references, they were like, no, this doesn't fit with, you know, God and Jesus and, and that type of stuff. And so they ended up getting rid of the whole thing because to me, that's, that's the hilarious thing is that as much as we try to water down the gospel, if you give even a watered down gospel, God can do amazing things through that. Yeah. And, and, but, but even with that, I'm like, that, that is evil. That is the pure definition of evil, but that's exactly what it is. It's because you cannot separate what you don't like from what you like. You can't do that. Your yeah. worldview needs to change. And well, you, you only get there. You only get there by being willing to accept that I am, I could be wrong and I could be fallible. Well, and this is this is a point, right? I think part of this is the struggle to, and this is why I don't think people want to accept it. I think this is exactly why we have movements like Jesus over religion, which is ultimately people don't want to be accountable to something that they may or may not disagree with. They don't want to be accountable to something bigger. So when it comes to Jesus over religion, for example, um, if they don't like what the well, church has done. Let's explain what that is a little bit before we get into it. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, so the, the the Jesus over religion thing is something that really picked up a lot of steam in 2000 and I would say like seven, eight, nine. Um, it's, it yeah. picked up, it was before then, obviously, but it picked up that's a lot of kind really of mainstream dig because yeah. of a Jefferson, Jefferson Bethke video that, that, were, yeah. that showed up on YouTube and social media really helped this kind of take off. But it's this idea of basically someone saying like, I'm not, you know, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, or I'm not... You know, I don't really go to church. I don't really believe in that stuff, but I love Jesus. It's the rejection of formal organized religion in favor of a spiritual, individualized relationship with Jesus. And experience, yeah. And and an experience with Jesus, yes. Um, so that's the Jesus over religion movement. And and I, I was a part of it at one point. Like, I loved it. I claimed it. Um, I now understand that I should never have done so. Um, but it was a necessary part of my formation as far as, like... He he sat learning and rev- to he yelled revoco in front of the yeah. masters so he did the whole thing. <laughs> yeah I, I hate you um the the sure make me Irvin Swingley you made me Irvin Swingley uh, so now this is what happens okay fair enough um basically what this starts out as is a way to explain or understand and separate 
um, God from the evil actions or the, the terrible actions of people who claim to be yeah. following him. And yeah. I get this. It's, it's you saying, like, I don't want to put my faith in people. I want to put my faith in God. That one actually tends to start from a, a good motivation, I think. Um, yeah. And because it's it, very easy the problem to, is, to want to see that. Yes. Like the problem. Yeah. Go ahead. You're good. No, no, no. Like I, I just, you know, when you look at, when you look at, we, we've talked about so many different parts of this uh, throughout, you know, our podcast, televangelisms, taking uh, televangelist and televangelism ministries, taking advantage of people for money. Um, uh, uh, um, I mean, it's just, it's Westboro Baptist church. We've railed against, you know, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very easy to see, oh, okay, look at all these fallible humans. Like, I don't want any part of that. Yes. They're, they're hurting people. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's very much the Gandhi quote, um, you know, I like your Christians, I don't like your Christ, which I'm pretty sure, like, is... Reverse. Somehow, yeah. If or, Christians I'm sorry, I like, like your... your yeah, yeah, I like your Christ, not your Christ. I'm sorry. That was... Yeah. That's not the first I time like, I've done that. That's the... Like, wait a, wait a minute, Ryan. Um, that's the reverse. <laughs> sorry, friends. He um, has theological dyslexia. Um, it happens. Uh, I I'm just very tired right now. <laughs> this is my life. My problem with Jesus over religion is this: first of all, from the Bible's very inception, community is an important part of of the Christian life. Right? Um, God in plural form creates the earth. Says, "Let us make man in our image." Um, you have. God creating Adam and saying, it's not good that Adam is alone and creates a partner for Adam in Eve and um, not, I hate the word helper, but partner. Um, And you have Jesus walking with 12 disciples, right? And you have Jesus sending out the disciples two by two. There's this, uh, the church of Acts starts selling everything they have to take care of each other and um, bands together. The all throughout history, Christianity has survived one way or another by people banding together, whether it's facing through persecution or otherwise. And for us to suddenly reject the people of God is to reject the people that God has also died for and loves and is working on. And I think it's a claim of moral superiority to say, like, yeah, I'm not like you guys. I don't judge people. Um, I just think it's a little bit of a double standard and a little bit, uh, hypocritical, just, just like a tiny bit. But ultimately, like, this is the other thing. The church is described in the new Testament as the bride of Christ. I can't think of a single person who's married. That is a good friend of mine right now. That if I told them, Hey, I hate your wife, they would stay friends with me. I can't think of a single one of them. And for good reason. Yeah. I was was about to say like, and neither should they. Yeah. For good reason. They shouldn't. I mean, I mean, look, look, I, there are, I have some friends. I have to be really careful saying this. There are some friends of mine whose spouses, I would prefer they not be with. I think they're toxic people. And I think that they have a lot of growth to do in their life. So, but I understand that if I don't like, if I think that about them, I get why they, we are not as close as we used to be. I get that because you shouldn't want me to be around you if, you know what I mean? If I don't like your wife. Now, if you decide that, oh, you know, your, your spouse, your husband, your wife, they're, they're, 
you know, the, oh, they are a toxic person, then we can, you know, kind of be more friends again. But it's like you shouldn't have people around who are like, man, I really hate her. Anyway, how are you doing? Like, that's that's not cool. Yeah. And people and and in people's desires to follow Christ, they end up rejecting Christ's people. And one of the things that God calls us to do is actually enter the world and be with people. And so it 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 is interesting to watch what happens because what happens is we say in favor of a spiritual life in this highly personalized relationship with Jesus and this experience with Jesus, we say we're rejecting organized religion. And as a result of rejecting organized religion and rejecting these people that are doing these terrible things, right? We stop going to church. We stop doing these, we stop doing or performing the practices in spirituality that help us maintain our faith. That's what we do. And what happens is we never actually replace them with any sort of other spiritual practices either. And so while, while, and this was, this happened to me and this has happened to a whole ton of people that I know, What ends up happening is you say, cool, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I think it's damaging my faith and I'm sick of this. I'm just going to do my own devotionals or I'm just going to watch sermons online. And what ends up happening is you end up using Saturday morning to sleep in and you never actually finish the sermons online or you never really read the Bible. And there are people who have, don't get me wrong, there's people who've disconnected with church and, but they've never said Jesus over religion. They've disconnected from a toxic church, surrounded themselves with positive community and rebuilt community. And the problem with the Jesus over religion movement is it tends to favor the individual over the community to the point that, that everyone ends up suffering in the end. And it, it's, it's a sad turn of events to happen, but it ultimately happens because I don't want to be accountable to that group of people that I disagree with. I don't want to be accountable to the Bible when it has things in it that I don't like or I don't. And, and I may sound harsh, I guess, this episode. I sounded, I think, harsher on this episode than most. But it's really it's frustrating while, yeah. to me, too. Yeah, it, it, it is, this is a frustrating thing for me. And I get there this because I get it. because I brimstone. I've been there in yeah. both of these things. Like, I've definitely been there. And well, it's, I think and it's... You, I, I, th- I think yeah. what you're talking about when, when you do this thing is that you're leaving a toxic environment for another toxic environment. Like I would prefer, cause there was a pastor that recently like criticized millennials for wanting to leave the church and stuff. Cause Oh, it's boring. And I'm like, look, I would rather every millennial and Gen Z. Cause that's really who was talking about. Cause I'm like, dude, millennials are 30. Like no, <laughs> know who you're actually <laughs> talking about. But, um, I would rather that every millennial left a toxic church then stayed in it and stopped being, you know what I mean? Kind of the, if your right hand causes you to sin, if your local church is causing you to sin or local, local denomination church congregation is causing you to sin, leave and go find one that is going to connect you to God. Um, I would rather that, but the problem is with this Jesus versus religion or Jesus over religion what you're doing is you're eliminating a toxic environment to go into a toxic environment and it's yep. not going to grow. It's, it's both things are going to cause you not to grow one out of, out of, uh, uh, defensiveness and hurt. And then the other one out of atrophy, because very rarely do you, we're, we're built for community. So, you know, if you're leaving the, the, I'll just use the, uh, I don't want to use the churches here. If you're leaving X church in this town to go to Y church in this town, I don't have a problem with that. Or even Mm -hmm. if you're just like, I just want to, I just want to build a community with my, with, you know, the people that I already have, but you're still meeting, you've created a church then. Okay. I'm fine with that. But this idea of, well, I'm leaving church 
period, end of story. Well, okay, but you're not going to find it on your own because you're going to end up in an echo chamber and you're either going to not grow or you're going to grow in a horrible disfigured area because you have no perspective. Um, and that's not every time. Obviously, it's it's always and never aren't realistic. We don't we don't live in a vacuum. But I I can't think of a single time where that when it happened on a permanent basis. Like people have taken. I've seen people who take I call them vacations away from church and organized religion. Um, but I've never seen one where they continued on with their spiritual growth. When when you leave and don't surround yourself with another type of community that supports you in a spiritual sense, in a spiritual sense, um, I don't see spiritual growth. And so, you know, if it's out there, tell me about it, please. I want to know about it. I want to know the specifics and the context of it, but I've never seen one I, that I can think of. And I thought about it quite a bit. And the other thing that, that always gets me with this is religion even organized religion is simply the human understanding of the spiritual. So when you say I'm going to leave religion, okay, we'll understand that whatever beliefs you come up with is a religion. Yep. If you would claim what you believe as a way to like, for example, get out of work for a reason, like let's say you leave, let's say you're Adventist and you say, I'm leaving organized religion and I, I believe in Jesus, but I still believe in the Sabbath as well. And you're going to still claim the Sabbath and not work on the Sabbath and claim that at work. You're claiming that's and using religion. that's religion. Like you're using freedom of religion to do so. And it's not just semantics at that point. That's the whole point. Your entire worldview expressed through a set of beliefs is a religion. I I, that just it's seems, what it is. Now yeah. it could be a there. There are good religions and bad religions. I would agree with that because there are good and bad imp- interpretations of, uh, uh, you know, whatever scripture or holy person or deity you subscribe to. Um, there are immature ones and there are mature ones. There are ones that you know help people and hurt people. I mean, there's all of that, but every single one, like. Just because you even even claiming there is no God is a religion because that's your interpretation of the world around you. You know, uh, atheism is a type uh, of religion. I disagree with atheism as a type of religion, though I get why people say it. Um, and I get why you say it. Like, I understand what you're saying, but I it's, it's a world. It's it, not I, an organized religion. I well, understand I, what I'm saying. It's not an organized religion. I mean, there are churches of. Uh, no, because like the difference it, is that atheism not. doesn't call you to any sort of standard of life or spiritual or practices thereof. It literally is just a lack of those things. So it's not it's not actively a religion. It's literally the lack thereof a religion. Like right, but not, I've yeah. never all right. So then, well, because my thing is okay. Well, that works in theory, but I've never met an atheist who didn't substitute something in for that. Whether that was society or yeah, but whatever, there's still there's always yeah. something because you don't see like you you know what I mean like I I've never met an atheist who just doesn't believe anything and just murders people and so it's like I want I like murdering people oh I mean like, a code of ethics sir to, if you want to say ascribe to a code of ethics and ritual and all that stuff okay but if 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 that's the case sure but that doesn't mean the atheism is the source of that. It just means that, like, for example, a Christian would say that all of those practices, in addition to their spiritual practices, are related to their Christianity, where an atheist would just be like, so I'm an atheist, 
and here are these other things that are have nothing to do with any of that. Like, there's no connection there. There are two different things. Two okay, all right. I could see that. So, I and, and that. I get that at I some mean, point you're getting semantics, I, but I, 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 I was going to say I disagree with it, but I could see where you're coming from. So, anyway, I've, point being, yeah. we hate all atheists. That's all we're trying to say. <laughs> no, 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 that no, sounds absurd. Being. That's hooey. That, that is, and that it is, begs credulity. It does beg credulity. You you took it from me. Yay! I know. Um, I needed to. It, before it's you fair, before you did it. I missed it last episode. No, but I think I think that's the thing. Is like my my issue. I think is people don't follow through with what they intend. Like if you actually follow through with it, it it, it, it you actually end up doing something that is not what you intended. And not what, yeah. and not why you did it, and I think yes. it goes back to the same thing with the Old Testament versus New Testament. Like, if you're legitimately asking that question because you are struggling with it as an atheist or as a Christian, okay, that's then as a Christian, go and study. As an atheist, go and ask, you know, somebody. But if you're just asking because you're like, oh, I don't want to believe, then it's like, all right, well then, you know, well, I just don't read, you know, ju- I'm, a, I'm I follow Jesus, but I don't I don't like, you know, judges. Well, you got to you got to figure that out, dude, cuz it's either the whole enchilada or it's nothing. Yeah. And I <laughs> I really want to title this episode We Don't Actually Hate Atheists. <laughs> but like no one is going to get that until they get Nobody. to this part of the yeah. podcast. But every part of that me might wants be a good, to title it that. That might be a good bait just just listen to the whole episode and at the very end, and we, we don't hit this. So that has nothing to do with. Yeah, we're going to re-record this whole episode, and it's just going to be about how we don't hate atheists. <laughs> um, no, I I agree with you. I do think that um, a lot of these end up starting with good intentions, and even like to get out of the uh, toxic faith community typically starts with good intentions. And what it ends up doing is we end up projecting the things we don't like onto a greater body that never never did anything wrong to deserve it either. Right. So we may present a, we may project a toxic picture of our, or that the, the experience we had with our toxic church community onto the greater denomination or church as a whole. Right. And, um, and we say, Oh, well, you're just like them. And no, you don't know that. Like we haven't talked or met and we reject people based off of, yeah, yeah, we end up, we end up living with prejudice. As a result, like that's legitimately what we do. And we judge the many based off the actions of a few. It's funny. I'm subscribed to the subreddit for Adventists and I see that a lot. A lot of people ask a question like, hi, ex-Adventist here. This is stupid. And I'm like, okay, well, not all of us believe this crazy thing that someone asked. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and, and it's, and, and, and I just feel like hot. Like I, I want to answer a lot. Um, I don't. Because I, I, it's a, it's, there's a, it's a thing. It's like observing. Like I, I prefer to observe because I think that there's a lot of, a lot of damage can be done behind the keyboard and I don't trust myself to, to get into a conversation on that environment. That's why I don't reply to a lot on Twitter, but like realistically, it's like, look, here's the thing. Not all of us believe that way. And I think if you have questions and you just assume, well, they're all like this, or even God's just like that, or this Old Testament God's like, no, you need to wrestle with that. Like, don't be, like, I I can't tell you how much my worldview has changed from when I was even right when I started college, you know, Mm. and I was a little bit older. I was a 20 year old freshman and, and I, 
even from that point on to now, almost 10 years later, wow, okay, I just had a moment. Even now, um, I look at that and I just think, man, just because of reading the Word of God, my worldview on so many things has changed. But if I wasn't willing to do that, I probably wouldn't still be here. I got to be honest. I probably would not. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Uh, I probably wouldn't be in the seminary because I know that had I not changed a lot of things about myself, I wouldn't have kept with the call of ministry or I would have taken it too far and probably left the, the, the evil hedonistic, you know, terribly wrong, bad Adventist church for, for something that was even more, you know, righteous and holy. Like I would have done both sides because I read the scriptures and it caused me to change how I interpreted the world because I looked at the scriptures and I said, ah, this is, this is what God said. This is what he means. I have to wrestle with this. You Mm. know, I always say the two questions that are going to haunt me for the rest of my days are, you know, Jesus said, I am, uh, 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 the, when Jesus talked about the Sabbath, he goes, the Sabbath was not made for man. Sorry, man was not made for the Sabbath. The ah, Sabbath now you did it too. Man. I did now it too. Now you did it too. And then the second one is where Paul comes up and says, not all things, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Those two things I think I will wrestle my entire life. Mm. Um, you know, probably a third one is is when Jesus says, "Not everyone who comes up to me will say, you know, and says, Lord, Lord, it's going to get into the kingdom.'" I, I, that's something I'm going to struggle with. Um, and there's a simple answer to it. I understand that for all three of them, there's a contextual answer to that. But I believe that there's something deeper than just, well, you know, the Sabbath is is we're not meant to be ruled by the you know the Pharisaical laws. Well, what does that mean? How far does that go? You know, that's a question that I, I really I ponder and I think about because I want to enjoy, you know, for me, the Sabbath day. It's not just a day of worship. It's a day to truly commune with God. What does that mean? Mm. Um, and and then with, you know, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And yeah, okay, the obvious, you know, he's talking about food, but even in the context of that, food is a metaphor. So he's talking about, like, you know, what does that mean? And if I wasn't willing to change my worldview up, I would a miss out on, on so many things that are out there, but then B, I, I, it, it would radically alter my understanding of who God is because I would then put God in, into my image. Mm. And I think that is where everything, and to me, I think that's the root of all these things. And I want to discuss that. You know, talk to me about it, guys. Let's let's get together. You know, come now, let us reason together. But to me, when I see that, it ultimately that's what it boils into is I want God to look like how I want Him to look. Yep. And and to me, that's the way that I read the second commandment. That's what it is. I'm breaking the second commandment with that. I'm making God into an idol, into some sort of an image that I want Him to look like, rather than the God that I want Him yep. that He is. What's the what's that famous quote? Something like, uh, "In the beginning, God made man in His image, and we've been returning the favor ever since." Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think I've heard that before. Yeah, I'm I'm going to look it up now. But that, no, Tony, I agree with you, and I and I do think that that's kind of a good place to um, to wrap this up because ultimately, I think wherever you are on your journey with these things, right. It's okay to be on that journey. And if you are in a place where right now, like you just hate everything and you need to hate everything for a bit, 
I get it. Do I'm it. not going to stop you from doing that. Do it. Um, not at all. But I do want you to know. Um, I, I I do want you to. And and I get that we sounded pretty frustrated too. And I think that a little bit of that is some of our own negative baggage coming into this too, with the it conversations really we've had yeah. about this. Like we're we're susceptible to the exact same things that we say others are too. And so it is reality. But we hey, I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation. And Tony, thank you for for kind of bringing some of these to my attention too. This has been fun. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening, for being a part of this journey with us. Once again, if you want to donate and support, you can head over to, to theabsurdity.org slash donate. You can find our social media and all relevant links in the show notes for every episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.